Welcome to Rinkwise, New England Hockey Journal's podcast for serious hockey players and their supporters to help further their development and navigate their way throughout their hockey careers. I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. Today's discussion will focus on the growth and major opportunities in women's hockey. We are so fortunate to be joined in studio today by Scott Fusco. Scott is a former Harvard men's hockey star. He won the Hobie Baker Award in 1986. He also currently sits in the USA Hockey Hall of Fame. Scott is currently the president of the East Coast Wizards, which is the largest girls program in North America. He's also the commissioner of the New England Girls Hockey League, the largest and most successful girls league in the country. Scott, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Stephanie. Great to be here. I always enjoy talking hockey. Women's hockey. So there's a lot of, lot of stuff to talk about here. So it's currently the fastest growing sport in the country. So let's start with your Wizards program. Let's start there. So when and why it started, how long ago, and why don't you just kind of start with that? It was started in, I believe, 2005, in the 2005 season, by Paul Kennedy, and and I sort of joined the first year of the program. I had a daughter that was playing hockey, and uh, they needed coaches and, coaches, and she went to play for the, for the program, and then I got involved at that point, sort of helping them organize, get ice time, and the program grew really quickly. I think we started with six teams maybe the first year. And went to eight teams. I just quickly realized that you know that the the growth path that it was on that there was a big risk factor in in finding ice time and consistent ice time. Um, so we decided to look for a rink and ended up building a rink. And you know once we had a rink, it really took off. So now that we're at you know overall the East Coast Wizards have forty four teams. Um, half of them are girls teams. So we have twenty two girls teams, um, which is a lot of players. I mean it's you know. F- close to 400 girl, girl players, I guess. That's a ton. And at the time, did you envision that that would have happened, you know, that you would have grown so quickly and effectively emerged as uh, the, the largest program in North America for girls? I really didn't know. I didn't know that much about girls hockey when I got into it. My oldest daughter was, um, you know, playing. Um, and I sort of just gotten back into hockey after being out of it for a few years. But what I guess what I did know is that if you find the right people um, to coach and, and run a program and you can attract the right families, you'll be successful. You know, the, the kids will have kids will benefit. They'll get better. They'll enjoy the sport, and, and, and you can grow it that way. Um, you know, our goal never was to be the biggest or best program. We just wanted to provide, you know, a, a good place for the girls to play so they could develop as athletes and develop as people and do it with hockey what they wanted to do with it. You know, for some some girls they want to you know play in college or play in the olympics others may want to play in high school others do it just for you know recreation and social activities but we sort of started on the path of you know let's provide the training and in the program and the platform for them to reach their goals and reach their potential and we know that's going to be sort of all over the map as far as ability goes but that doesn't really matter you know as long as they're right. they're working towards something and, and they reach that potential, they'll be happy and satisfied and we'll have a good program. And I think it's helpful to maybe dive a little bit more into your background and your family's background. So obviously you had a highly decorated and successful hockey career yourself on the men's side, uh, you know, in the um, also in the USA Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, and then you ended up having three daughters. So, um, so talk a little bit about that. Like, so they all came up through your program. They did. And that was obviously a big reason that you also got involved with girls hockey. Yeah, I, I grew up in Burlington, so I'm local. I went to Belmont Hill, uh, played 
college at Harvard and you know settled back here after sort of traveling around a little bit and, and playing hockey a little bit after college um, and I sort of got out of the sport for a while had a, had a business career we had a consulting business my brother and I started a consulting business uh, which we sold in, in 1999 and at that point my oldest daughter was three years old and sort of starting to skate and so you know in the early 2000s sort of got back into hockey um, they were getting into activities I guess selfishly you know I decided you know I wanted to spend time with my daughters I liked hockey right so I least introduced them to it and, I, and I've told a lot of people this you know the one thing about hockey is it's a really long development cycle right so you need to sort of introduce it to your kids early and hopefully, you know, get them to the point where they're somewhat proficient in it, and then they can make their decision on what they want to do with it. Um, I actually have a lot of friends I played hockey with who had daughters that, at age twelve, decided they wanted to play hockey, and unfortunately, it's sort of too late. Sure, right. So I got my kids into skating, uh, got them into hockey when they were little, and I really didn't care so much whether they continued with it, but it was fun for me. They seemed to like it. They were pretty good at it, and you know, it sort of took off from there. But if they had decided they wanted to do something else, and they all played other sports, but if they decided they didn't want to play hockey when at, when they got to high school, I would have been fine with that. I just wanted to sort of provide them the opportunity if they wanted to do it. Sure, yeah, and uh, you hit on a lot of things there, and I think uh, you know we'll hopefully cover some of those topics as we go on in the show. Uh, but let's. Uh, you know, go back to the exponential growth of your program when you first started. And we can, I think, correlate that to the incredible growth that we see in girls hockey within the last decade to 15 years. And a lot of that also sparked from the uh, first 98 Olympics where uh, girls hockey was, was part of the Olympics for the first time. So let's talk about, you know, not just your program, but what we've seen, I think, in the growth of girls hockey throughout Massachusetts and New England, because as we know, Massachusetts is a leader of, of hockey across the country and particularly girls hockey. Yeah, I think Massachusetts is second in the number of female players behind Minnesota. And the gro- growth's been great for the sport. One of the benefits we've seen in the in our program and in the New England Girls League, I mean, most of the programs in that league have multiple teams at age groups. And, you know, what that provides is the, the opportunity for girls to be on a team with players of similar skill level and similar age. Um, You know, a lot of the towns, the local towns have girls programs. um, And and one of the drawbacks is sometimes they don't have the numbers or the depth. And so you have, you know, you might have beginner players playing with, you know, some strong players or some of the younger, stronger players get moved up age groups, which leads to a host of issues, you know, on, on both you know, athletically, you know, when you're playing with girls, you know, three or four years older than you, um, that can be frustrating when right. you know, they're just bigger and, and faster and stronger. Yep. Um, and also some social issues as well when you have, you know, a third grader on a team with a ninth grader. Um, and, and I didn't really want my daughters in that situation. Right. So I wanted to get them into a position where they were with, you know, girls they liked, girls that were like them and, we're serious about sports and and again everyone's sort of the same level um this in a way there's nowhere to hide you're on the ice you know there's a loose puck you better go get it because right. there's no no one's going to get it for you um and one of the things that sort of led me into girls hockey and i think it's one of the benefits is watching girls soccer and you watch the girls some of the stronger 
girl players in soccer, they, they're in total control of the game. They control the field. You can see their confidence. You can see their skill level. And then I'd watch them play hockey and in, on like a co-ed team, and that same player was totally different in hockey. You know, they just they might have been one of two or three girls on a team. Um, they didn't necessarily get the position they wanted to play. They didn't get on the line they wanted to be on. And you could just see the lack of confidence compared to when they were with their peer group. Um, and it's the same player. It's the same person. Right. Um, and I guess that was the first time I sort of clued into the fact that, like, we need to get these, these girls playing together. You know, good athletes that want to play play them together so that they can develop all that because you're not going to be a successful athlete or really successful in in any aspect of life if you don't develop confidence and you don't feel you can walk into a room and contribute and compete with the people in that room. Absolutely. And I think that's a wonderful segue into uh, one of the topics that we did want to cover, which was girls playing boys hockey. And uh, that's also something that has changed dramatically over the last decade or, or so. Uh, so, for example, um, so Scott and I uh, compete against each other with our programs, and uh, we also work on a lot of hockey stuff together, but um, the landscape has changed a lot in terms of girls having to play boys hockey. So, uh, for example, I know myself growing up, uh, the only option if I did want to play hockey was to start with the boys because that's all there was. You know, girls hockey just wasn't what it is today, and there wasn't the numbers, there wasn't the depth. But that is obviously a lot different now. So let's start with, first off, how it's changed. And I know you already kind of hit on it, but what are some of the major benefits or um, non-benefits of playing girls playing boys hockey? Um, I mean, I think it's changed a lot even since I've been involved. So I've been 17 years. The competition level amongst the girls, like in, on girls' club teams especially, is as high as you'd want it to be. I mean, we've had players come through our program that have, you know, played a lot that have played Division One college, some that have played in the Olympics, and I've never had a player that I thought was too good to play in a girls' league. Right. Um, clearly had some that were the best players in that league, um, but somebody has to be, like, you know, and, and, and they also sometimes have played boys, but right. um, the competition level is plenty good to develop. Um, I think this there is some misinformation still lingering around, and it's sort of from players from your era, Stephanie, because, yeah. like you said, that was that was the path. That was the path. And you yeah. do hear sometimes, you know, you know, women that played in the Olympics say, "Oh yeah, you got to play boys hockey." And and I guess it depends where you're from. Right. If you're from Massachusetts, you know, we have within you know a half hour or forty five minutes from our rink in Bedford, you know, there's a lot of girls that play hockey. There's probably you know a dozen programs that all have quality teams. Um, if you're from maybe from from Colorado or you're from Arizona, you know you might be in a, still be in a different situation. Um, but there's plenty of competition there, and again, you know when you when you watch the level of play, you know, you know we have we have boys in our program as well. We have two levels at each age at each birth year. Um, you know, and our elite team is a pretty strong team. The select team is not as strong. Yep. I would say our girls teams can compete with a lot of our boys teams. Um, so just because you're on a boys team doesn't mean it's a better team, a better level of play. Um, there's also a lot of differences in sort of style of play. Um, you know, boys tend to be a lot more individualistic. Um, girls want to play together. Right. Um, they want to be coached. They want to listen. Um, 
so I I would think most girls would find playing boys hockey a little frustrating. Sure. Because every player is sort of on an island, you know. <laughs> and um, I actually watch quite a bit of video around tryout time. People send me video of girls that might be coming to our tryouts playing in boys games. And I'm always surprised at the lack of passing. Yeah. Getting the puck seems to be almost a random event at times in some of the games. That, you know, you know, The only way you get it is if you take it from somebody or it bounces to you. Right. Um, and I also, a lot of times the girls don't have the puck very much. And you know, parents are asking me like what I think of their daughter as a player. And a lot of times it's hard to know. Like they usually skate well. They can keep up in the game, which is good. Right. You know, the boys' games can be fast and they can be physical. So that part of it's good. But it's hard to judge decision-making. It's hard to judge puck skills when you don't have the puck very much. I would say it is, yes. And uh, it's sort of funny because, you know, it's generally every coach I talk to, if they've coached boys and they've coached girls, they always highlight the differences between how much better listeners girls are (laughs) especially at the younger ages so um kind of funny but uh definitely I think with the the whole girls having having to play quote boys hockey I think it's somewhat now we would agree is more of an outdated uh thought process and um you know perhaps based on where somebody lives you know that's that's certainly a factor to consider but I think now it's to your point like it's it's, you know, if you're getting a good level of competition and you're also getting, uh, you know, you, you have better, uh, it's it's from a social standpoint, it's a little bit better to, to play with girls in the confidence aspect, yeah. you know, because I think it's, you know, what we see sometimes is that there are differences between the boys game and the girls game. And, you know, as we talked just a little bit before the show started, like sometimes a girl might not go in the puck or the, excuse me, the corner as much to fight for the puck, you know, or might sort of shy away a little bit more from the physical play. So in a way it may be hurting them a little bit as they go on. Yeah. I think in in, in high level boys hockey, there are some benefits. I mean, the speed of the game, um, sort of the physicality, the competitiveness, um, all those things are good, good things. And if you're a player at that level, you know, a really high end girl player there can right. be there can be a lot of benefits to that but i would sort of suggest to play on a girls team as well right because if you if you're good enough to play sort of at the highest level of boys you're probably a, a pretty strong player in the girls game which means you'll have the puck a lot you'll get a lot of shots you'll hopefully score um i always tell this story going back when my kids were younger they were watching home videos of, of me when I was a kid and some of it, of course was hockey right and you know I just played I grew up playing in Burlington Burlington youth hockey I never really played any there wasn't much club hockey I never really played on any all-star teams until I got to like high school and you know just watching watching the video of myself like the level of play wasn't that good but I had the puck like almost the entire game and you'd watch the video and it's like no wonder like I, I scored a lot as a player right but it's no wonder because I had so many reps because I had, (laughs) you know, I'd have like three shots a shift. Yeah. Wow. So I don't know how you, how you develop goal scoring skills when you get, you know, one shot a game or maybe less than one shot a game. Like if you want to be a scorer, you know, you got to, you got to get scoring chances. You got to figure that out. And sometimes playing at a level where you have the puck and you have the ability to, to make mistakes and get the puck back and make another play can benefit you. So for those girls that are like really high end players, I sort of playing both can help. Um, 
for the majority of the girls, you know, the girls' hockey and the, the competition level there is plenty good for to develop where they want to go. Sure. Um, you know, you sort of, if your goal is to end up in, you know, playing college hockey, you're playing with girls. You know, you're not playing with boys on that. Absolutely. So, you know, playing in that system and that style, I think, is is way more beneficial. I think that, Scott, I think that's wonderful advice. And, uh, you know, Scott's, Scott's program is one of the most successful programs in North America uh, who consistently produces top uh, NCAA players, Division Three, Division One, uh, as well as national team players. So I think that's that's wonderful advice. And uh, I think, again, uh, going back a little bit, I think um, you know, talking a little bit more about the grassroots efforts because you know one of the points you mentioned earlier was how important it is to sort of start that introductory early, and particularly as we know for girls, uh, they're. In terms of athletic development, it's thought that the golden years for development are U8, U10, and U12. So certainly when they're a little bit on the younger side. So meaning their blueprint for athletic development is essentially formed at those younger levels. So grassroots efforts, you know, what's important there? What should that look like, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think the more, you know, in the New England Girls League, we do, we have a pretty robust U8 level. We have, you know, sort of cross-ice jamborees sort of at the, be- at the beginning, at the younger, younger U8, sounds kind of funny, but at the younger U8 level. And then we play, you know, three-quarter ice for the older kids. Um, and having that sort of social outlet for the girls and the competitive outlet is important. Um, a lot of the programs have done a good job growing their, their U8 program. Um, and again, playing with players that, are, that look like you Right. Is, is important. Right. Um, you know, a lot of times people want their kids to play up levels and like, it's hard, you know, and, and you have to think about it. I mean, I know you still play hockey, Stephanie, and so do I. I do. And, yep. I've, and I've been out in, in games where I'm playing with like, younger guys and it's like, oh my God, these guys are like, this is hard. <laughs> this isn't that much fun. Yes. Like and other times you play, it's like, oh, I just scored two goals. Like, right. That's, that's a lot better. Yes. Um, yeah. So at, at the younger levels, it's important the kids have success. Right. You know, and so everybody gets the puck, everybody scores, everybody has fun. Um, you know, of course you want to do well, but there's no real need to dwell on the results, you know. And that's, I guess, one of the good things, of, that there's many benefits of, of cross-ice and small games, but one of them is the scores don't seem to matter that much. Right. You know, you right. win one game 11-9, to nine, the next game you lose 3-2, to two, and for some reason people don't focus that so much on uh, on the scores when it's a real game on our full size rink. Everyone's right. worried about you know what the outcome is. Um, but again, the more girls you can get, and the earlier you can get started, the better. I also think for people that are interested in joining a, a girls club program, the earlier you get into a program, I think you have a lot more options. You know, as so in our program, you know, we typically add a team every age group. So U8, we have two teams. and U10, we have three teams. Then four teams at U12, five teams at U14. But the numbers of tryouts are so not, not incrementally higher. They're sort of exponentially higher. Sure, yeah. Um, and by the time you get to 13 years old, the majority of girls no longer play boys because there's chucking. And it's hard for new players to sort of break into some of the club programs because – Obviously, if you're a really strong player, it's not a problem. 
you know, you get put on the top team and everything's good. Right. But once you sort of get below that level, there's a lot of girls and, and boys is the same. There's a lot of players that are similar level and for somebody, you know, picking teams and evaluating players, it, it's hard to take a new player sometimes over a kid that's been with you for two years, four years, when you see them for two hours in a tryout. Right. Um, so my suggestion to parents always is if you're interested, you know, get in at U8 or get in at U10. Um, hopefully it's the right program and you do well and you stay there all the way through. But if not, you sort of get the, the lay of the land, you know the landscape, you know the teams, and, you know, maybe at some point you, you, you decide to change programs for one reason or another. Um, but it's it's a lot harder sort of coming in from the outside at, at 12 or 14 than it is at U8. Um, and, and as we talked about earlier, I think, you know, getting the confidence at those younger levels is a big part of the development. Oh, that, that definitely makes sense. And I think that's wonderful advice. And, uh, you know, so even if somebody, you know, for whatever reason still has to play boys hockey, it's it's a really good piece of advice that they should get acclimated somehow to some a, a girls program early. Yeah, yeah and a lot, there are a lot of girls that do both. Uh, it can be a lot of hockey, so you have to sort of balance that. But um, there are definitely benefits to, to sort of getting in a program at sort of at the beginning. New England Hockey Journal's Rinkwise podcast will return after this message. Catch the Sacred Heart University Pioneers on the ice this season. The Pioneers Division I men and women's hockey programs will not disappoint. Season ticket packages and individual tickets are on sale now at sacredheartpioneers.com. And opening in 2023, Sacred Heart University's Martiri Family Arena, a brand new 122,000 square foot premier skating facility in Fairfield, Connecticut. Learn more at sacredheartpioneers.com. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. Listen, everyone. I want to let you know about a great team that is training the next generation of hockey players. It's Bando Performance. Their experts work with hockey players at all levels, from youngsters to Olympians right on up to the pros. And I'm going to tell you how to get a great deal with them in just a sec. Bando Performance's small classes ensure the best odds for success for athletes looking to increase power and performance as well as their nutrition and health. It has the same high-tech equipment you'll find in NHL weight rooms that hockey players use to increase their strength, speed, and power. I told you I could save you some money on this, so listen up. Go to bando-performance.com and pick a training program that's right for you. And this is the good part. For RinkWise listeners, use the discount code BANDO30OFF to get a 30% discount. That's bando-performance.com with the code BANDO30OFF and see your performance improve immediately. 
so your New England Girls Hockey League and, and your Wizards program does cross ice, which is great. So that kind of goes back to um, how you mentioned, you know, hockey was for you growing up with a lot of touches and a lot of repetitions. And uh, it also, it's, it's always interesting because the kids always, at that age anyways, never seem to care that much about the score so the parents <laughs> care more than the kids I think. right so whether they lose 11 nothing or you know they they win the game they they may not know they might be looking more forward to the uh uh munchkins from dunkin donuts yeah, afterwards absolutely. <laughs> uh, just one more thing to mention about you know boys hockey so within our wizard programs our, our u8 u10 and u12 teams do play in a boys league um and i think that there are some benefits to that um for one you know the the, the boys do play more aggressively at times so i think the girls need to learn to sort of match that and deal with that and i also suggest to our coaches that you know when we play in the boys league nobody really cares what the results are we're we're a girls team right we're playing a town peewee team we're not comparing ourselves to that team right Um, we compare ourselves to the other girls teams so it gives us our coaches the opportunity to you know, move kids to different positions, try different things, and I guess focus on how the team's playing versus what the end result is. Because there are times when you play, when girls play boys, where the game will be even, or the girls may even outplay the boys' team and lose by two or three goals because you know the boys shoot the puck a little better, or they you know maybe make plays a little better around the net. But we're not really worried about that. You know, it's right. how did you compete? Are you working on the things and improving on the things you need to improve on? Um, and then when you get into the girls' league, you know the New England girls' league games are pretty competitive, and and those are games you know we're more interested in seeing how we stack up against all the other local and and you know, national teams. So taking that uh, now, all this information, um, let's pivot now to I think one of the highlights of hopefully this discussion is discussing the all of the incredible opportunities that exist in girls hockey. So knowing that uh, how, how quickly the game has advanced and uh, how good it is now, you know, so what are some things, um, you know, for some of our audience, whether they have a, you know, a first year female player or, you know, fifth year player that, you know, some of the things that they can potentially look forward to down the road, you know, doors that can be open and that sort of thing. I mean, there's clearly a lot of opportunities in, in hockey in general. And I'd say in the last five years or so, a lot of the bigger operators that mostly do boys tournaments and, and teams have sort of figured out that there's opportunity and money in girls hockey. Um, and I guess there's good good things about that and there's some negatives about that. Um, I mean, as far as, you know, camps, summer tournament teams, uh, those kind of opportunities. There's probably an event almost every weekend. Um, I think the hard part for parents is to figure out where to spend their time and money. Right. You know, nobody has unlimited time, and very few people have unlimited money. Um, and you could spend, you know, your whole summer chasing around to events, which you know they could be fun, but you know, and a lot of times they're not really benefiting your development. Sure. Right. Um, I mean, I. My advice always is to focus more on skill development than, you know, playing in tournaments. When There's been lots of studies. USA Hockey's done lots of studies about how much the average player touches the puck in a game. And I know this goes back to, like, the 2010 Olympics, maybe. They did a big study in the Salt Lake Olympics. And, you know, even the best players, you know, a player like Patrick Kane would have the puck for two minutes a game. 
you know, so the average player would probably have the puck wow. for one minute a game. Right. And that's out of a 60-minute game, right? So our kids are playing 45-minute games. So the number of puck touches is pretty small. Well, clearly, tournaments are fun. Games are fun. That's why you play the sport, because it's fun. Um, but if you really want to develop, you know, find a program, find a summer program where you're working on skills all summer, Um and then throw in a few events either with your team or with another team. Um, but the, I guess the, the, the negative side is there are a lot of people out there that have just sort of discovered girls hockey as the next, you know, bonanza for them. And I don't think a lot, some of those events really aren't worthwhile. Um, and it's similar as you get older, you know, when you get up to college age, there's a college showcase every, every weekend, it seems like a multiple every weekend. And, you need to find the right events. Right. And what I try to tell our parents, and a lot of them don't listen, honestly, is you know, find the, go to the right events and be ready when you go there to play well. Don't go to an event every weekend because nobody can play well every weekend. And it only takes one bad event to sort of get you crossed off lists. So, you know, we've had players that have played you know, a, a showcase, you know, played Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, come back on Wednesday, played another event, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, I just don't really see the benefit to that. You know, like our teams and most of the teams in the New England Girls League get play in really good tournaments in the summer. There's great attendance of college coaches. Um, you don't need to play in eight events over the summer. If you play in two events and they're the right events and you do well, that's all you need. Um, and spend the rest of the time, you know, training in the gym, training on the ice, and, and improving your game. Um, and, and sort of as we're on the topic of college, it's also important to be realistic about your level. Right, right. Um, it doesn't do you much good to go to the Wisconsin camp <laughs> if you're a Division three level player. Right. And like, they're not going to discover you there. Um, and you're probably only there so that you're paying to um to provide bodies for the kids they're recruiting you know they want to get four teams at their camp whatever it is they need players there's some they're clearly interested in there's a lot they're not um you know finding events where there's multiple coaches is probably better um you know, so i know stephanie ran a, an event this summer where you know we probably had 12 to 15 coaches some division one some yes division we did three yep um, and, and listen to the, what the coaches tell you, you know, really listen to the feedback and, and sort of take their words to heart. Like they'll tell you if they're interested in you, if they're not, if they'll sort of, sort of tell you, and um, you sort of have to read between the lines. Right. But the, the sooner you can get sort of a, a feeling of what direction or what level you should go in, the better, better off you are. Cause then you can spend your time focusing on, on that path and, and finding the right school for you because as we all know, you know girls hockey ends um, there's not much you know beyond college right so it's the best thing is to you know find the right school and get the right education and then hopefully move on to other things in life indeed it is and uh, you know finding great events like our New England Girls Hockey League College Showcase of course but uh, you know, you brought up a, a really good point and an interesting way to look at it as well. Like in the summer, if you are over uh, playing, for example, and, and, and doing events that maybe aren't necessary or not as important, you, you know, you 
you mentioned, like it may, may take one opportunity for you to have a bad showing, you know, yeah. at an event where you should be at your best and they, that could uh, hurt you a lot more than it's going to help you. And I think sometimes it's always helpful to go back and remind ourselves. Like I know when we were growing up playing, you barely played in the off season. Yep. You know, now it's it's always good to remind ourselves that really the top level, like college and uh, the professional uh, level, I mean, they're not playing every day in the off season. Yep. You know, their their training to playing ratio is much higher. So, for example, like they might be training three to four days a week. You know, maybe skating once, and if if they are, it's it's probably working on like their power skating or skill work or that sort of thing. Yeah, no, it's a time to it's a time to sort of recharge and improve your skills at the same time. And there's a big difference between you know traveling every weekend to play in a tournament, five games or six games, versus being at the rink either you know off ice training or on the ice, you know, two or three times a week working on your skills. There's a big mental difference there. Um, and you also got to remember, kids are kids. They like to go to the beach. They like to spend time with their families. They do, yeah. We they, all do. Yeah, think, they right? do. In the I summer. know. I do too. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to be in the rink every weekend in the summer. Right, either. right. Um, so, you know, you, and you want to be ready when the season starts. Right. So you don't want to be sort of burnt out from the summer before your fall season even starts. But again, but but you do need to train in the summer. You still need to skate in the summer because you know people are doing it year round, and yep. you know you need that time to improve your skills um, but you want to make it sort of as low stress as possible so that you are recharged and ready to go when you play in events and when the season starts in the fall yeah no that's that's great and uh, let's going back to some of the opportunities so some of the top players in in your program for example uh, let's talk just college uh, at the younger level prep school um, in your perspective what opportunities uh, exist for your your better players I guess. Yeah, I would say starting at, I mean, talking about educational opportunities, like starting at 12 years old, you know, prep schools sort of start to get involved. Yep. Um, some of the schools start in seventh grade or eighth grade. Um, and clearly, you know, as for, for strong players that are interested in that, that educational track, um, you know, hockey can help you. Right. You know, it probably doesn't get you any money. There's no scholarships. <laughs> there's financial aid, but that's not going to matter really how good a player you are. Um, but the opportunity to, to be accepted at some of these schools, it can definitely help. Um, and, I mean, I, I'm a product of private school. I went to Belmont Hill. Um, I think it changed sort of the trajectory of my life. Sure. Just It helped me to get, get into Harvard and sort of, it gives you a good head start. The rest there. is history, so, right? Yeah. Your, so it's and, um, and yeah. it's and um, you know there's there's a lot of benefits to that. Um, clearly, college is the same. You know, a lot of the uh, you know top academic schools are getting harder and harder to get accepted at, and you know, sports is one of the ways you can sort of work your way through. Yeah. I mean, to get into a NESCAC school with no athletic or you know other extracurricular like sort of hook is very difficult right you know they take like five percent of the applicants um same with the ivy league same with a lot of the schools it's it's harder and harder and the, the number of applications these schools are all getting is you know it's gone up probably four times what it used to be sure yeah um, and they get a lot more international applicants and so hockey's a way to help there um there's still not a lot of scholarship money out there i mean there is but there's a lot of players going for it and 
you know, I would say most of our, I mean, we do have some players that get like a full four for four, four year scholarship, but there's not that many. I mean, right. Most of them are divided up. Sure. Yeah. Um, so you can't really count on scholarship money, but again, it can sort of help you, um, you know, maybe get to an academic school that you would not be able to, to gain acceptance at without, without hockey. Um, and then there's a big benefit to playing, to, to playing sports in college. Um, all three of my daughters play sports. One plays soccer. Two played hockey. Um, there's a big social you know, benefit to, to being on a team and doing those things. Uh, one of the things we do talk to our girls about is um, not only is it important to know what level you can play at, but also what level of commitment you want to you want to put into it in college. Um, there's a big there's a big difference in between Division One and Division Three. Um, it's a huge difference, certainly from when I played and probably from when you played. Yep. Um, the it time is. commitment. Yes. Um, it's very difficult at Division One. Um, a lot of the schools have thirty plus players. It's hard to get ice time. It's a lot of time spent. Um, so, the way I sort of describe it to to our girls is, you know, if it's you know early April and you're walking to the weight room at six a.m. You better be saying, I can't wait to see what that workout is today. Right. You know, are right. we going to do squats yeah. today? Are we, what are we going to do? Because right. I'm pumped for this. Got to love it. If you're dragging yourself down there, it's yeah. like, it might not be the right level for you. Right. It's hard. Um, and clearly, you know, some kids love it and they do well at it. Others struggle with it. Um, you know, Division Three is way more balanced. If you want to be a college student that can still play, you know, high level sports, that m- might be the better path for you. Um, you know, one of my kids decided they, they wanted to be in a situation where they knew they were going to be in the lineup every game. Yeah. They didn't want to worry about how many shifts they were going to get or if they turn the puck over on the first shift, they may never play again. Sure, right. And there's a big benefit to that, you know, mental health-wise. Absolutely, like, yeah. She knew that, you know, every day she was going to be in the lineup, she's going to play a lot, and, you know, she played in the NESCAC, and they take it seriously. The, the level plays good, but when the game's over... You know, the game's over. They go out and they do their thing as a college student and yeah. they go back at it the next day. Where yeah, yeah. It's not like always like that at Division One. So you got to sort of figure that out for yourself and see, you know, what experience you want to get out of it. Yeah. Well, I, Scott, I think that it's absolutely wonderful advice and information. And, and you know, you're so right. You know, Division One, Division Three. I mean, there's there's a there's a fit for everybody. And, uh, you know, I think we could certainly go on and talk forever about all these topics in girls hockey, but I think this was just a wonderful, uh, you know, introduction in terms of, you know, getting the audience um, some really good information. And, uh, you know, really can't thank you enough for joining us in studio today to provide all your experience and uh, knowledge. No, thanks. I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to come back anytime. That's awesome. We'll certainly probably take you up on that. And uh, that does it for this edition of RinkWise. Our podcast is produced by Steve Safran. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at NE Hockey Journal. And subscribe online at NewEnglandHockeyJournal.com. I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. RinkWise is a Siemens Media production. <laughs>